Hello and welcome to the good old days of radio show. This is John Tuffteller, your host. It is Tuesday. It is more comedy Tuesday. We'll get to the drama. I keep saying that and we will. But we have something a little unique today. We have a full hour. Not one program, but two programs, but with the same people on each of the two programs. We have Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy with special guest Fred Allen from September 30th, 1945. And then following that, we have the Fred Allen Show from a week later with guests Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. So they traded being on each other's programs during this week of broadcasting, and I thought it would be kind of neat to to put these two back-to-back so you can hear the original Bergen and McCarthy show and then Fred Allen show with the answer to the original Bergen and McCarthy show. So we're going to start with Edgar and Charlie. Uh, Edgar Bergen was a ventriloquist on radio. Yes, there was such a thing as a ventriloquist on radio with his little wooden dummy, Charlie McCarthy, and believe it or not, it worked sometimes better than others, but it worked because you didn't get to see how kind of bad Edgar Bergen was at it, at ventriloquism. He wasn't too good, but that didn't matter. He was really funny and really great with the dummy Charlie McCarthy, so you could overlook the fact that his lips were moving a little bit more than they should have been. Anyway, so, and Fred Allen, of course, was the great radio satirist uh, whose comedy is kind of forgotten. A lot of it was really topical, but very, very well-written and very funny. And topical or not, they work, uh, as long as you understand the jokes. And if you don't understand the jokes, go off to uh, Wikipedia or whatever and figure them out, but you'll get them once you do. September 30th, 1945, here's the Fred Allen, I'm sorry, the Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy show with special guest Fred Allen. With Charlie McCarthy Show. This is Ben Grauer, ladies and gentlemen, greeting you on behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Anita Gordon, Mortimer Snurd, and our very special guests, Fred Allen and Portland Hopper. And here's Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Bergen, I can't tell you how glad I am to be here in New York. Well, Charlie, I think everyone should uh, try and get away once in a while. Yes, that's what I told my truant officer. (laughs) Well, now, just a minute, young man. Your schoolwork is not going to be neglected, you understand? No, sir. You promise you have my word. Thank you. And when a McCarthy gives his word, look out. Yes, yes. I've been looking all over town for you. You have, Anita? I don't know how you missed me. I was there. (laughs) You know, I I have a wonderful idea. I'd just love to get in one of those handsome cabs and ride through Central Park. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good, that's good. And you know what we'll do? Well, certainly, silly girl. Of course. (laughs) I'll sing to you. Yeah, yeah, that too. No can do, no can do. My mama and my papa say I no can do, no can do, no can do. I want for me to go with you, but no can do. You like me, I like you. I like for you to Romeo your Julie. No can do, 
no can do. My mama and my papa say a no can do. The moon, she say to me, come on, come out tonight. I want for you to hold my hand and hold me tight. And love, it can't be wrong, and so it must be right. But oh, no can do, no can do. I like to do with what you call a pitch the woo. No can do, no can do. My mama and my papa say I'm no. like to pry into your business or appear inquisitive. Since when? Well, no. <laughs> but there's a little matter, a little matter that I'd like to speak to you about. Well, you have to excuse me, Bergen. I've got to rinse out a few things. No, 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 no. What is it? Well, it's, it's a luncheon check from our hotel dining room. Yeah? Yes. And it's for $9.85. No. Yes. <laughs> and it's all for confections and desserts. 
Just imagine that. That's extravagance. Yes, it is. But it's worse than that. Someone has been forging my name. Yeah? Yes. Hmm. Actually. Actually, yes. yes. That sort of thing is annoying. Yes, it is. Yes, it certainly is. Well, how did you get... Well, I mean, what makes you think so? Well, I'll tell you. I want you to notice this very sloppy, uneven scrawl. Uh-huh. It is messy, isn't it? Yes, it is. Now, that proves that that was either written by a child or some illiterate person. Well, either one of us could be guilty there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I want you to notice what the culprit ate. Parfaits, baked Alaska, and frappes. Yeah. Three orders of crepes, Suzette. And the wrong glacé. Oh, I see, yes. Yeah. It's a wonder that he doesn't feel pretty upset by this time and have a stomach that's in pretty bad shape. Yeah? Yes. Well, it, it isn't, it isn't, uh, uh, it, it's, uh, excuse me. Yes, yes. <laughs> Tell me, Charlie. Yes, Mr. Burton. How, uh, how do you feel? Well, I would, uh, I would, I would say that uh, I feel, I feel fine. You do? Yes, you see, I feel, I, I, uh, oh. <laughs> I feel better now. Yes, yes. <laughs> Charlie, this isn't going to end up with you being found guilty, is it? Mr. Bergen, I certainly hope not. Yes. <laughs> well, I think, Charlie, you've stalled long enough. What have you got to say? Well, Mr. Bergen, I... I cannot tell a lie. You can't. And get away with it. No. <laughs> Do you realize, Charlie, that signing someone else's name is forgery? Yes, sir. Do you want to travel the road to ruin? How are the accommodations? Ah, uh, they're very bad. It's out then. Yes. I can't, I can't understand what makes you do these things. Well, sir, I... Mr. Durgan, I, uh, I am a growing boy. Yes, I know. Adolescence, they call it. Yes, yes. And you have to be patient. It requires understanding. You see, I'm trying to find myself. You are? Yes. And don't think I ain't having fun. <laughs> well, you've been guilty of many pranks before. Oh, that I have. But never, never did I ever think you'd go as far as forgery. Well, you know, they say, if you don't progress, you retrogress. Yes, that's quite true. Yeah. That's all very well and good, young man, but... I suppose you know what's in store for you. Uh, I can hope. Yes, well, it's no choice, young man. It's a real spanking. Mr. Bergen, they say when you resort to spanking a child, you have failed as a parent. Oh, yes. oh that's what they say. Yes, it's just what they say, of course. Yes. I'm not trying to force anything. No. Very well, then. No spanking. Oh, thank you. This was easier than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, you will be confined to your rooms for our entire stay in New York. But Bergen... Think it over, young man. Think it over. Well, this is incarceration without representation. Yeah. <laughs> I'll talk to you later. Now, goodbye and stay in your room. <laughs> this is slavery. That's what it is. I don't have to do this, you know. I can go out on my own. Oh, I, there you I, are, Charlie, old boy. Oh, hello, Ray. Yeah, what's the matter with Bergen? I think he seems to be in an awful house. Yeah, there's something rotten in Denmark. And I think it's blowing from Sweden. <laughs> I'm 
going to get out of here. I'm going to take it on oh, a land. Oh, no, Charlie, you better I'm... think it. Oh, yes, I'm old boy. Quitting. No, no, no. If you leave Bergen, I mean, wouldn't it be pretty rough going, you know? You'll soon find out that a good ventriloquist assistant they just don't grow on trees. <laughs> I wish I hadn't said that. Yes. <laughs> Oh, no, come on, Charlie. Don't be hasty, old boy. You'll never find another Bergen. He's a great performer. Great, may I? Listen, Bergen is to ventriloquism what Jack Benny is to the fiddle. Yeah. I'm turning him out to pasture right now. Well, uh, Charlie, old boy, if he's really going... Yeah? Could, uh, could I take his place? You? <laughs> yeah, I have a dearth of talent, you know. <laughs> yes, well, yeah. That I believe. <laughs> no, no, really, Charlie, in England, I was known as quite a wit. I had them rolling in the aisles. Mm -hmm. The British Isles, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you get it, don't you? All over me, yes. Well, didn't it kill you? No, I'm still suffering. <laughs> well, that settles it. You just won't do. Now I'll have to get a new partner. Well, why don't you put an ad in one of the first-rate newspapers? No respectable paper would run an ad for a ventriloquist. Oh, well, where would you advertise for one, then? Where? Why, in the Hobo News, of course. <laughs> Mr. Allen! Mr. Allen! Yes, Portland? Oh, bills, bills. Every day it's more bills. This place is beginning to look like a duck farm. Oh. Uh, I've got to get some money someplace, Portland. Well, why don't you go to work? Work? That's the coward's way out. I've tried to live by the sweat of my brow, but my pores won't open. There isn't any food in the house. I know. I'll have to borrow some garbage to put out so the neighbors will think we're eating again. <laughs> I've been out of work for over a year. I've got to do something. Say, hand me that morning paper, the Hobo News, Portland. I'll look through the warrant ad. Here you are. Thank you. Now, uh, let me see. Apartments. Aren't apartments scarce? Scarce? Listen to this. Are you looking for a place to live? Man in iron lung willing to move over. <laughs> What is this next column? Personal. During elevator strike, uh -huh. stenographer working on 40th floor Empire State Building yeah. would like to meet strong young man working on same floor. Object? <laughs> object piggyback. Say, here's a job for you, Mr. Ballard. Now, let me see. Wanted for Charlie McCarthy radio program, talented assistant. Must be versatile and have strong knee. That sounds good. Good. Apply to Charlie McCarty. Why, Charlie's only a stooge for Edgar Bergen. It's a job. All right, it's a job. I'll go and see Mr. McCarty. Get a stooge for a stooge. <laughs>
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> quiet, please. I'm awfully glad you're here. Why? Yes. Why? Well, you know Anita, Ger- Anita Gordon. <laughs> And you've only been in New York two days, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, Anita Gordon. Well, that's the little girl that sings. Yes, the girl that sings. Yeah. Yes. Well, she she wants to meet you. No. Yes. Think of that. <laughs> well, I better go. Well, don't go. When I look at girls, I get all covered with goose pickles. No, no, no. Yeah. You mean goose pimples? Yeah, them too. Yeah. yeah. Well, now, why do you feel that way? Well... Confidential. Yes. I don't want this to get around, Mr. Bergen. No, no. Well, what is it? I, uh, I ain't very bright. Oh, you're not very bright. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but you can still meet her, Mortimer. Well, all you have to do is uh, make small talk. Uh, Small talk. Yeah, small talk. Small talk. Yeah. How big? Well, I don't know. (laughs) I'm sure she'd be pleased if you told her that that she has a beautiful voice. Yeah, a beautiful voice. Yeah, Mm mm-hmm. I remember that. Yes. Now, here she comes. Now, when I introduce her, yeah, uh, you know, you shake hands. Yeah, shake hands. Yeah. And hold out your right hand. Uh, uh, which one is that? Oh. <laughs> which one? Well, I got two, you know. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, it's the one on this side. Facing which way? Well, oh, no. Hello, Mr. Bergen. Uh, well, hello. Now, I'd like to introduce you, Anita Gordon, Mortimer Snurd, Mortimer Snurd, Anita Gordon. Hey, one at a time, one at a time. <laughs> Where'd the crowd come from? All right. <laughs> So you're Mortimer Snurd. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sort of, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, don't be afraid of me. I'm not going to bite you. Uh, I wish you would. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, uh, now, what were, what were you going to tell Anita? What? What were you going to tell her about her singing? About what? About her singing. I wonder, then. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, well, you, you got the prettiest voice I, I ever heard, Mr. Bergen tells me. No. no. <laughs> well, thank you, Mortimer. Yeah. And I think you're awfully cute, too, with yeah. those big blue eyes and <laughs> pink cheeks <laughs> and cute little dimples. Well, yeah. uh, you know something? I got a mole on my stomach, too. <laughs> How can you be so stupid? Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. No, no. <laughs> Here's Anita Gordon singing, and there you are. Oh, my. 
I don't even hear the thunder. My heart with love is so aflame. I only hear each little rainbow repeating your name. And when the like that ad is bringing results, old boy. Yeah? Yeah, there's a chap outside to see you about it. Yeah, what does he look like? Well, he looks like he needs work. Yeah? yeah. Well. <laughs> send him in. Send him in. All right. Uh, pardon me. Are you Mr. McCarty? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Yes, uh... Oh, no, he's Ray Noble. I'm McCarthy. Oh. <laughs> he's taller. I should have... Yeah. Well, I saw your, uh... I saw your ad in the Hobo News, and I've come to see about the job. Yeah. Well, frankly, you look like the kind who would answer an ad for a ventriloquist. Yeah. What's the matter with your eyes? Do, do they have fallen arches? 
no, I, I just wear my jowls high. <laughs> you... <laughs> you may have heard of me, Mr. McCarthy. My name is Fred Allen. Yeah, the name is familiar. You aren't wanted, are you? <laughs> no. Well, tell me this. Are you, are you new in radio? New? Why, bless you, my little man. I was in radio when you were just a gleam in an acorn's eye. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very amusing. I thought so. <laughs> Tell me, Mr. Allen, you, you haven't been working much lately, have you? No, uh, I've been taking it uh, easy, Mr. McCarthy. After my many years of success in radio, I had something to fall back on. Mm -hmm. And now you've decided to get up off it. <laughs> You've done nothing since you gave up your program, huh? Well, I have dabbled a bit in radio by appointment. Mm -hmm. I, uh... <laughs> I was the bouncer in the make-believe ballroom for a few weeks. <laughs> I, uh... I held the pail on Milkman's matinee for several mornings. But, uh, let's get down to business, Mr. M. Now, what about this job? Well, good, 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 good. Now, let's see. Uh, oh, yes, yes. Now, Mr. Allen, uh, what about uh, uh, references? Oh, don't worry. I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> That's a nice bit of evasion. <laughs> you realize, Mr. Allen, me splitting with Bergen is a drastic step. But, Mr. McCarthy, what radio needs today is new faces. Yeah, well, if you can get one, come back and I'll talk to you. <laughs> Now, wait a minute. Bergen is no Adonis, you know. He has the profile of an avocado. And his head is as bald as a Boy Scout's knee. Either knee. Yeah. You know, there's something about you I like. You know, I think I can do great things for you. Well, tell me, Mr. McCarthy, when we work together, will I ever get any laughs? Maybe just one little chuckle? Maybe. Oh, sir, you are a prince. <laughs> Let me kiss the hem of your tuxedo. It's a tailcoat. Uh, I shall throw you the kiss. <laughs> yeah, to think... To think, to think I am about to become a straight man for a talking shoe tree. What about the art of ventriloquism? Can you throw your voice? Well, not exactly throw it. I let it slide gently down one nostril and bank it off the other nostril. <laughs> I make it the hard way. But tell me, Mr. McCarthy, before we go any farther, have you uh, any work lined up? Well, Charlie, what's going on here? Well, I can tell you better what's going off here. Oh, well, if it isn't Fred Allen, say, I'm glad to see you, Fred. Well, hello, Edgar. Say, how does it seem to take a long vacation? You'll find out, brother. <laughs> <laughs> they remember, Edgar, back in our vaudeville days when we played that split week at McKee's Port? Yes. You were so poor you couldn't pay for a partner. You used to walk out on the stage and talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah that's right, Fred. Uh, Hey, remember that silly girl who used to work in your act? Oh, boy, was she dumb. Oh, huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever happened to her? I married her. 
You can take your foot out of it now, Bergen. <laughs> oh, he won't take offense. Why, it's always made me feel proud to count Fred as one of my friends. Well, you can get ready for a recount now, Bergen. <laughs> Say, what are you hinting at anyway? Now, that's the third time you said something like that. Well, you may not know it, but from now on, you're doing a single, Bergen. Hey, Fred? That's right, partner. Oh, I see. So that's it. You, too. Yeah. Well, what about this, Fred? I'm hungry, Edgar. <laughs> uh, yes, but uh, you doing ventriloquism. Well, it's embarrassing, I know. I never thought I'd have to stoop so low. Low? Ventriloquism is one of the oldest forms of entertainment. Why, it was practiced by the ancient Greeks. Ventriloquists were even found up among the Eskimos. They weren't found up there. They were chased up there. Oh. <laughs> Come on, Fred, let's get out of here. Just a minute, Fred. Surely you wouldn't do this to an old friend? I sure would, stranger. You know what this means, Charlie? I sure do. You can dunk your donuts in someone else's coffee from now on. Come on, Fred. Let's, let's go, get... Charlie. Let's get out. is the Armed Forces Radio Service. Before we hear the uh, response from the Fred Allen show from the, the, the week after that, just a quick word on Armed Forces Radio Service. I tend to avoid playing Armed Forces Radio shows on this series simply because they're edited. They would take the original commercials and some of the other references within the shows out and replace them with more songs and more music and more things that really aren't comedy. Uh, but that's what they did to fill the half hour that was taken up on the network show with the commercials and announcements like that. It was done because the programs were being broadcast to the servicemen worldwide uh, rather than to an American radio audience. The American radio audience got to hear the original program as intended with, in this case, Chasen Sanborn coffee commercials and then engineers would record that program and take 
all the references to Chase and Sanborn Coffee out, along with a few other things that they felt were inappropriate for overseas listening, and replace those uh, minutes with music. In some cases, it's good that we have Armed Forces Radio Service recordings because the original network masters are lost or destroyed, and this is all you get. So, as uh, my producer said a few minutes ago, uh, something is better than nothing, and yes, I'm glad we have this show. I wish we had it from the original network masters, but we don't. Um, the other issue with Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, which I was also explaining to my producer earlier, is Edgar Bergen did have all of his radio broadcasts recorded for himself, and he had quite a library of them, boxes and boxes and boxes of them. But uh, when he had his recordings made, the normal way of doing a half-hour show was a 16-inch lacquer disc with part one, the first 15 minutes of the show, on one disc, and part two, the last 15 minutes of the show, on a separate disc. And you would have two cutting machines set up so that you could, uh, when the show went live, you would turn on one to get the first 15 minutes, and when you got to the end of that disc, without losing anything, you turned on the second one and recorded the second 15-minute disc. Well, Mr. Bergen decided to hire a company in Hollywood called Art Paul. A. Paul Jr. is what it said on the, on the disc labels. The A. Paul Jr. Recording Service. And they provided the cheapest possible recording service for celebrities and people who wanted radio shows recorded in Hollywood. And the reason they were so cheap is because they did a lousy job. Not only did they do a lousy job, they used one disc instead of two. And the way they got away with that was simply to get to the end of side one, and even though the program was still continuing to be broadcast, they would turn off the machine for a second, flip the disc over, reline it up, and turn it back on again, and capture what remained of part two, eliminating somewhere around two minutes of the program. And so when Edgar Bergen finally donated his entire collection of radio recordings to Pacific Pioneer Broadcasters in the 1970s, boxes and boxes of these Art Paul Jr. recordings were brought in, and every single one of them had the middle minute or two, usually two minutes, missing from the middle of the program. So yeah, you got them, but you didn't get the whole program, and he didn't seem to care because guess it didn't matter to him. He was just happy with the 28 minutes he got, and he got it cheaper than Jack Benny and the others were paying at radio recorders and NBC and some of the other places that produced very high-quality radio transcriptions, but at a greater cost. Anyway, there's history lessons for you all around. We're going to proceed with the Fred Allen Show from October 7th, 1945. This is exactly one week later when Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy now appear on the Fred Allen Show. Here we go. It isn't Gabriel Heater, kiddies. (laughs) 
The makers of Tenderleaf Tea and Blue Bonnet Margarine present the Fred Allen Show with Fred's guests, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, Portland Hoffa, Minerva Pius as Mrs. Nussbaum, the Tenderleaf Workshop Players, the DeMarco Sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And if anybody cares who I am, my name is Kenny Delmar. Ladies and gentlemen, since the war ended, we've all been waiting for the return of the things we've missed. Mm -hmm. Tonight, we bring you one of the things nobody's missed, and here he is, Fred Allen. Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Well, Kenny, I've been away from radio quite a long time. I guess everything has changed. No, Fred, uh, things in radio are about the same. Oh, really? About the same? Have they found out who the mystery chef is yet? <laughs> no. They haven't. How about one man's family? Have there been any uh, additions to this one? No, Fred. What about Portia? Has uh, she turned around yet? <laughs> no. Portia is still facing life. In a rut, huh? Say, tell me... Kenny, is that, <laughs> is that old gentleman still on the air every week? You know the old fellow with the... Oh, uh, you mean uh, just plain Bill? No, Bill wasn't his name. Hmm. Uh, pa Perkins? No, not Pa Perkins. Singing Sam? No, not singing Sam. You're warm, no. This old guy, this old guy had a valet named Manchester of Portchester. <laughs> been away so long. Oh, you mean Jack Benny. Jack Benny, the octogenarian. <laughs> and how he can play it. He's the guy. <laughs> is he? Is he still on the oh, air? Oh, yes. Jack's still broadcasting for Lucky Strikes. Really? It's remarkable what those one-a-day vitamins can do. <laughs> a guy his age, yeah, after Well, all. is Jack old? Is he old? A friend of mine saw Mr. Benny in swimming this summer. He thought that Benny was wearing a blue corduroy suit. And it, uh, it wasn't a blue corduroy suit. No. Benny is so old now, his veins are outside of his skin. <laughs> his face has more wrinkles than a seersucker suit on the closing day of a revival. <laughs> Almost didn't get that out. Well, if he, gets, if he really... Portland, how did you? I heard you singing as the program opened. Awfully good. How did you? How did you sense I was back on the air again? Mama heard a rumor. You know how fast bad news travels. Oh yes, General Patton told me. <laughs> what's uh, what's new, Portland? I thought you might need some new jokes for your program. Well, don't tell me that you have contrived some specimens of waggery. Did you hear about the soldier who ate five dozen oysters and got discharged from the army? Ate five dozen oysters and got discharged from the army? Yes, he had 60 blue points. <laughs> oh, fine. It wouldn't work with, with uh, clams, would it? But, uh, <laughs> you know, that joke sounds like something off the bottom of Can You Top This? <laughs> 
farms fell on Japan, the emperor doesn't wear a crown. No, what does the emperor wear? An Adam's hat. An Adam's hat. <laughs> you should put dry ice on that joke instantly, Portland. It won't keep a minute. <laughs> and speaking of minutes, any minute we'll be leaving now for Alan's Alley. Oh, what is your question tonight? Well, one of the greatest problems facing the country today, of course, is housing. Here in New York City, thousands of people are looking for places to live. And so our question is, how is the housing shortage affecting you? Shall we go? As one B-29 said to the other, let's take off. <laughs> ah, Portland, it sure is good to be back down here in Allen's Alley. I same people still live here. Well, there's only one way to find out. I'll knock at this first door again. Somebody, I say, somebody knocked. <laughs> uh, who was it? Uh, pardon me, mister. Senator Claghorn's the name. Claghorn, that is. Senator Claghorn? Uh, I'm from the south, or the deep south. From way down south. Eh? Uh, yeah, I'm so far down south that my family's treading water in the Gulf Stream. <laughs> South, isn't it? Yeah, where I live, we call the people from Alabama Yankees. <laughs> well, I don't uh, know. Don't butt in when the body's talking, son. Try listening. Now, <laughs> uh, say, try listening. You're bound to learn something. Well, look, Senator. Anything I'll... gets me down, it's two people trying to talk at the same time. Well, I know, but... I got the floor, son. Don't try no filibuster. <laughs> Now, look, Senator, what about the housing shortage down there in Washington? I stop at a hotel. Oh, you actually have a room? What room? You mean, uh... For $20 a day, they give me a chair in the lobby and a sleeping pill. <laughs> pill, that is. <laughs> what is the housing problem coming to, Senator? Uh, there's only... I say, there's only one solution. And that is? Close up the OPA. Well, what will happen if we close the OPA? There'll be millions of ceilings left over. Yes. You put four walls under them ceilings, you got houses. So long, son. So long, that is. <laughs> you know, I think the senator's got something there. Got something there. I wonder what a knock at this next door will bring. Howdy, bub. Oh. <laughs> You're, uh... Titus Moody's my name. Titus Moody? Moody by name, Moody by nature. Well... <laughs> tell me, Mr. Moody, has the housing shortage bothered you any? Yeah, that's why I had to leave the farm, bub. Really? Yeah. The land was so poor, you'd have to use 20 sacks of fertilizer to raise a tune on it. Gosh. Cows were so weak, they used to travel in pairs. The cows had to travel in pairs? Yep. Took two cows to pull up a blade of grass. <laughs> the uh, land was dry, was it? Dry. I didn't see no water for 20 years. 20 years? One day it rained. Yes. When the first drop of water hit me, I fainted. Yes? Yeah, they had to throw two buckets of dust in my face to bring me to. Gosh, uh, how, did you, uh, how did you cope with the housing problem, Titus? 
Why, I ordered one of them two-room houses from Sears Roebuck, but it didn't help. You mean when Sears Roebuck delivered the two rooms, Sears two-room was, house? Sears was living in the front room, and Roebuck was living in the back. Go <laughs> on, Bob. Well, if I... <laughs> If farmers can't find houses, I guess traveling salesmen will just have to keep on traveling. And that brings us to another door. No. Oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. You were expecting maybe Emperor Shapiro Hito? <laughs> Tell me, <laughs> tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, how do you, how do you feel about the housing shortage? Thanks to the housing shortage, today Pansy Nussbaum is enjoying connubial bliss, if you <laughs> pardon the expression. Yes, about... <laughs> well, what happened? What happened, Mrs. Ann? Is flocking to mine house relatives. Relatives? Blood relatives. Relatives without blood. <laughs> Say, you must have a full house. Full. And the couch is sleeping two rapaports, cousins. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the dining room table is sleeping four Weinsteins. All four of them on one table? They are half-brothers. It is making only two. Oh, well. <laughs> I see. In the bathtub is sleeping Ben Schwartz, an uncle. Mm-hmm. And top Uncle Ben is the little pinker's boy. <laughs> he is floating on the water. Oh. <laughs> the pinker's boy is a good swimmer? A human stature. Oh, really? <laughs> well, tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, with all your relatives jamming the house, didn't your husband get mad? Mad? One morning, Pierre is putting on his beret. <laughs> he is taking his Molly Pecan records. Took his Pecan records with him, huh? And he is stamping out. Your husband left you? For two weeks, I am a widow. Well, what happened? One night, is coming on the door and knocking. Pit-a-pat, pit-a-pat. Pit-a-pat. <laughs> Your husband? Mine, Pierre is back. Oh, it was true love. Pierre couldn't live without you. Love, Schmuck, Pierre couldn't find a room. <laughs> well, here we are near the end of the alley. I wonder who lives here. Hello, hello, we're here to say hello. Not how we do, not Polly Boo, but just hello. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, look. <laughs> But just a minute, who are you boys? We're McGee and McGee, we're songwriters. What songs have you written? Have you heard? We're looking for the guy that began the beginning to see if we can get him to stop it. No. Have you heard? When my baby smiles at me, I wish she'd put in her teeth. No. We got a patriotic song. What is your patriotic song called? Good luck, Mr. Truman. You're a real red, white, and booming. Now, look, please. Tonight, it so happens, we're discussing the housing shortage. We just wrote a housing shortage song. A housing song? How does it go? Hit it, Sam. The situation's serious. It may get worse by spring. We mean the housing shortage, and that is why we sing. 
gentlemen, meet the DeMarco sisters, five talented youngsters we are happy to welcome as a regular feature on our program. Tonight they sing for you, It's Gotta Be This or That, girl. If you ain't wrong, you're right. If it ain't dark, it's light. If you ain't sure, you might. Gotta be this or that. If it ain't full, then it's blank. If you don't stay. with just a few words of interest. Fine tea has no season. It's the year-round beverage for every kind of weather. But right now, as the days get shorter, we're in the house more. We have more guests. And tender-leaf tea balls have come into their own. They're the largest-selling, fastest-selling tea balls in America because they're better in every way. The quality of your tea, its bouquet and flavor, is your first consideration. And tender-leaf tea balls are made with famous-for-flavor tender-leaf brand tea at its best in this convenient form. They are individual packets of tasteless filter paper that filter your tea as it's being made. There's a world of quick comfort in a piping hot cup of delicious tender leaf tea. And here's the easy way to make it. Just drop a tender leaf tea ball in your cup, dip in some boiling water, and it's ready. Quick comfort when you need it most. So for every good reason, ask your grocer for tender leaf brand tea balls. Al Goodman and his orchestra have just played June is busting out a little bit. <laughs> there wasn't time enough for June to bust out all over. And now, uh, what's the trouble, Portland? You look bewildered. Well, I was just wondering, how did you get back into radio, Mr. Allen? How did I get back? You didn't work for a year. Didn't work? Why, last year I was the backbone of Radio Portland incognito. For two months, I filled in when Bulldog Drummond had distemper. <laughs> But how did you get 
to be the star of the Tenderleaf Tea Program. I can thank only one person for this job, Portland, Charlie McCarthy. Charlie McCarthy? Uh -huh. Last Sunday, I was the guest on Edgar Bergen's program, as you perhaps know. And as the program finished, I heard the orchestra playing Edgar's theme song. <laughs> On my way out, I heard voices, somebody arguing in one of the dressing rooms. Well, I put my ear to the keyhole. It was Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Edgar was saying... That's the last straw, Charlie. I'll keep your shirt on, Bergen. Why, Charlie, the idea of you leaving me to go with Fred Allen. Why, that's ridiculous. Yeah? Yes. Oh, yeah? Yeah. This is my reward after I've given you the best years of my life. Well, at your age, you should be glad to unload those years on anybody. <laughs> what has Fred Allen got that I haven't got? Nothing. But he spends a little of it once in a while. <laughs> well, if you think Allen pays higher wages, you're sadly mistaken. His program went off the air because Pellagra broke out among his cast. <laughs> Allen isn't hiring me, Bergen. I'm hiring Allen. Oh, I see. If anybody's going to be underpaid, I will do the underpaid. <laughs> so you're going to have your own show. You heard me. Your ears don't lap over. No, wait. <laughs> Why, you little whippersnapper, you... Ah, oh, your father's nice day. No, no, listen to Charlie. What happened then, Mr. Allen? Well, I knew Charlie McCarthy was in the dressing room alone, so I opened the door. Mr. McCarthy, psst, psst, Mr. McCarthy. It's no use crawling back, Bergen. Oh, it's you, Fred Allen. Yes. Well, you're just the man I want to see. Say, I heard the argument, Mr. McCarthy. What's, uh, what's on your mind? Well, you need a job. I need a partner. What are we waiting for? But, Mr. McCarthy, Edgar's my friend. Friend? <laughs> Do you know what Bergen's been saying about you? Why, no. Bergen said you were so cheap that when you brought a pint of blood to the Red Cross, you made him give you a deposit on the bottle. <laughs> I'm cheap. Why, Bergen with that pot belly? Yeah. He only raised that abdominal bulb so he could keep his pants up without having to buy suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alan, you look better to me every minute. Boy, well, I went through with that cheapskate. Why, Bergen... <laughs> Bergen is tighter than the top olive in a bottle. He is over-penurious, I sometimes uh, say. I like the word. I don't know what it means, but I... <laughs> I can break it up. You might understand part of it, Charlie. I like it better. Uh, those those ready-to-wear suits he'd buy with two pair of pants. Then he'd have a tailor make me a suit. Oh, your suits were tailor-made. Yeah, out of the second pair of pants, yeah. You mean that suit you have on now was once a pair of Bergen's pants? Well, look at the coat. The lapels have cuffs on them. <laughs> lapels with cuffs, yeah. huh? And all my coats have zippers down the back. <laughs> But, Mr. McCarthy, if we team up, can, uh, do you think we can get any work? What work? My closest friend is Mr. Tenderleaf. The big tea sponsor? <laughs> the very same. Stick with me, Alan, and we'll go places in radio. Oh, Mr. McCarthy. <laughs> 
Oh, cunt, cunt, stop licking my hand. <laughs> With you, Mr. McCarthy, will I get laughs. Uh, well, uh, Charlie knows the sponsor and uh, Charlie gets the laughs. <laughs> but, Mr. McCarthy, all my life I've been a comedian. I've gotten laughs. If Henry Kaiser can reconvert, so can you. <laughs> yes, sir, I promise not to get any laughs. Yes. Yeah. When I started with Bergen, he promised not to get any laughs, too. Oh, really? Yes, and that's, that's the only promise he ever kept. <laughs> well, now that that's all settled, is there... Is there anything else, Charlie? Well, I... Uh, Charlie? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. McCarthy. Better. It was a slip, honest, Mr. McCarthy. I didn't mean I... I just lost my head there for a second. It's quite all right. It's quite all right. I'm I'm not a snob, you understand. But I am the star of the program. Yes, sir. Yes, and between the star and the stooge, certain class distinctions must be observed. Yes, master. I shall remember. I'll be on your knee, it's true, but uh, that's as far as the intimacy will go. <laughs> I understand. I'm the stooge, and I shall keep my place, sir. That's better. It's nothing personal, you know, but this is radio, you see. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. I know, sir. Yeah. And I've just finished eating that Mexican hairless virgin. <laughs> sir, I give you a toast to the new Charlie McCarthy show. Good. McCarthy marches on. <laughs> Well, Portland, Charlie and I rehearsed our act all the next morning, and about two o'clock that afternoon, we went over to Mr. Tenderleaf's office. When we got inside the door, Charlie said to the secretary... Uh, pardon me, miss. Uh, what is it, shorty? Uh, tell, <laughs> tell Mr. Tenderleaf his pal McCarthy is here. Are you a friend of Mr. Leaf's? <laughs> friend? <laughs> tell Tender Chuck wants to see him. Are you kidding? Uh, miss, we're here to audition for the Tenderleaf radio program. Okay, I'll write down your names. Which one is Pick and which is Pat? <laughs> this will cost you your job, young lady. Miss Goober, Miss Goober, I'm a busy man. Yes, Mr. Lee. Call a conference. Get all my vice presidents here in my office immediately. Yes, sir. Yes, and when they get here, cancel the conference. Tell them I'm a busy man. Yes, sir. Uh, where's, uh, where's my portable desk? It's supposed to be wheeled around in front of me. Hand me a desk, somebody. I'm a busy man. Uh, hello, Mr. Lee. Uh, Miss Goober, who are these people? Yeah. Mr. Leaf, don't you remember me? Who said that? Who's talking? It's me. I'm down here. Oh. Yeah, about that radio job, you know? Sorry, Mayor LaGuardia. We're full up on news commentary. <laughs> Mr. Leaf, you remember me, Charlie McCarthy. McCarthy? Mac oh, yes. Yeah. I met you with Edgar Bergen. Yeah, yes, sir. Bergen, what a comedian. If you're with Bergen, it's a deal. Miss Cooper, give this boy a contract. I'm a busy man. Yeah, Mr. Leaf. Yeah, yes? Uh, I'm not exactly working with Bergen on this show. No, Bergen, no contact. Throw these tramps out. Yeah. Uh, but we've got a... We've got a great act, sir. Yeah, Mr. Leaf, give us a chance. Out of my way. I'm a busy man, Miss Goober. I'm on my way someplace. Where am I going? To listen to... <laughs> <laughs> to listen to auditions for your radio program. Oh, yes, yes. I love to audition actors. Hand me my gun. Here, sir. Yeah. <laughs> clear the way. Clear the way. Stand back, everybody. I'm a busy man. Where's the door? Oh, here. I'm off. Gad, he is a busy man. <laughs> Darn that closet. Where's the door? <laughs> oh, here. Come on, Alan. We'll do an audition, too, huh? Great. Here's the audition room. Quiet! Mr. Leaf is starting the audition. All right, all right. Let's go. I'm a busy man. Start singing, you. Kiss me again. 
kiss me. Who's next? The three Fosdick sisters. Get going, girls. Do you hear that whistle down the line on the edge in Topeka? And Santa Fe. Next. All right, you guys are next. Are you ready, Mr. McCarthy? Yeah, uh, you know, I've been thinking, suppose we change the act a bit. You sit on my knee in front of me, huh? <laughs> no, you're the star, Mr. McCarthy. You sit in front the way we rehearsed it. Yeah. Next, who's holding up the audition? I'm a busy man. Yeah, we're ready, Mr. Tenderleaf. Uh, is your voice ready, Alan? Uh, okay. Remember, keep weaving so he can't draw a steady bead. <laughs> Let's go, Mr. McCarthy. We're Alan and McCarthy. We're the life of every party. We'll cheer you folks with quips and jokes. It sure will make you laugh. <laughs> and if you want a song with us, you can't go wrong. By the light of the silvery moon, we'll sit and spoon. Of every party, we're Alan and McCarty. Say, Fred, my girl can't wear liquid stockings. Well, why can't your girl wear liquid stockings, Mr. McCarthy? Because she can't get her leg in a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> we're Alan and McCarty. We're the life of every party. Stop, stop, Fred. The gun must have jammed. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, aren't you Fred Allen? Uh, yes, sir. I need a man like you to take over my Tenderleaf Tea program. I'll call it the Fred Allen Show. Name your own price. I'm a busy man. Is it a deal, Allen? Uh, well, what about me here, Mr. Uh, yes, what about my partner? The little guy is out. He has no talent. I'm a busy man. Goodbye. <laughs> At last, back on the air. Yeah. The yeah. Fred Allen Show. Yeah. Gosh, I'd better phone Portland and Al Goodman and call up the yeah, others. Yeah, we really put it over, didn't we, partner? Partner? Yeah. You heard what Mr. Leaf said. Scram, small fry. Now, 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 look, Fred, now. Fred? I'm sorry, Mr. Allen. I... <laughs> yeah, I've decided maybe we should sort of co-star on the show. Co-star on the Fred Allen show? You know radio. It's dog-eat-dog. Dog. Yeah, but Mr. Allen... Beat it before I throw a termite on you. Yeah, but... <laughs> but kind sir, sir, I... I'm not going to leave you here. I... No, I'm not going to leave you here. Here's your car fare home. A nickel. So long. Yeah. A nickel. What did I step into this time? A nickel. There's only one thing I can do with a nickel. Oh, well, let's go, McCarthy. Hello? Mr. Bergen? Guess who this is? <laughs> yeah, now, now, wait a minute, Bergen. No, but you gotta take me back. Now, please. It, yeah. Well, I'll work for 50 cents a week. Uh, 25? I'll work for nothing. I'll be, I'll pay you. I'll be your slave, Bergen. Listen, if you'll only take me back this one time. <laughs> Kenny, you have a nightcap word? Yes, Fred, here's one for the book about delicious food that's everybody's topic. Remember the letters F-N-E for Flavor, Nutrition, Economy. Groupon at Margarine gives all three Flavor, Nutrition, Economy. 
Get that, ladies. Not just one, not just two, but all three. Blue Bonnet gives you all three. Flavor, delicious flavor. So fresh and delicate and country sweet. The fussiest eater in the family will tell you, gee, Mom, this tastes swell. Nutrition, and I mean proved nutrition. Every fresh, sweet pound of Blue Bonnet is rich in food energy, rich in vitamin A. Economy, yes. Blue Bonnet saves you real money. Costs so little, you can spread it on twice as thick. Ask your grocer for Blue Bonnet margarine tomorrow. Because there is still only a limited supply of fats and oils available, you may not always find Blue Bonnet at the store, but keep on asking till you get it. Blue Bonnet is well worth asking for, waiting for. It's a product of the makers of Fleischmann's yeast. That fact alone tells you it must be good. Be sure to try Blue Bonnet, the margarine that has everything. Yes, remember the letters F and E for flavor, nutrition, economy. Blue Bonnet margarine gives all three. Flavor, nutrition, economy. Well, thank you, Kenny. This is Fred Allen, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot for listening tonight. And don't forget, next Sunday evening, the Fred Allen Show brings you comedy. <laughs> Drama. Put that gun away, Vicky. Yeah? How am I going to squirt this DDT? <laughs> and our guest will be... Victor Moore. <laughs> This is the National Broadcasting Company. Okay, that was not an AFRS version, Armed Forces Radio Service. That was your standard network broadcast, so that's good. Had a little bit of swish in there at the beginning from a damaged disc, but it was good nonetheless. Okay, so you had two shows today, Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy, followed by Fred Allen from The Week Later, back-to-back on the good old days of radio show. We will be back on Thursday as we continue our Lucille Fletcher salute to creepy radio writing. Uh, Creepy meaning scary, not bad. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with more comedy, drama, or variety. Probably drama next week. Okay, we'll see. All right. Until then, this is John Tefteller saying goodbye. (laughs) 